In this episode, I interviewed Laura Fox, who's the owner and physiotherapist at Fox Physio. Laura's niche market and interest is working with strength-based athletes. So this episode really covered different aspects of resistance training that can be applied to either the strength-based athlete or any other type of athlete. We started off talking about some common issues that she sees within her clientele of strength-based athletes, and this pertains to anterior hip pain and anterior shoulder pain. Within these two, we talked about some common presentations that she sees, how she has dealt with these issues, ways she likes to treat these issues. And again, these are just generalized, obviously, so they're not specific to everyone, but they have some good tidbits um, for this the general um, treatment and assessment for these issues. We then moved into going over the main patterns of lifting, so your squat, hinge, horizontal press, vertical press, pulling movements, and we talked about different form issues that she commonly sees that will cause pain and then ways to fix these. So making sure to work on form that won't that will decrease any pain that's having or decrease the risk of you developing pain from lifting improperly. We then moved on to her recommendations for warm-ups. Would that be some kind of neural priming or activation, whatever you ex- exactly want to call that? And then some mobility movement she likes to recommend for getting ready for lifts to decrease um, any injury risk as well as help increase performance. We then kind of finished off on just her general advice for athletes when they are going through rehab on ways to still be able to train and push themselves and mentally kind of the space to put themselves in. So again, a great episode, a little bit different with just focusing on the resistance training. But again, I think it really does apply to any practitioner working with resistance training or athletes um, being able to apply this to decrease any pain or kind of help them with their lifts. Here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Laura Fox, who is the owner and physiotherapist at Fox Physio. So thank you for being on, Laura. I really appreciate it. If you first just want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, how you got interested in what you're doing now, and then your current current role. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I've been a physiotherapist for three and a half years now. Um, so I've just recently opened up Fox Physio, so only about two, maybe three months ago. Um, so a bit of a weird time to open up in a world pandemic, but it, the opportunity kind of just c- came up to me, so I, I couldn't not take it. Um, but yeah, things have really taken off and I'm already looking to hire an employee, which is an exciting time. Um, but yeah, I primarily work with strength athletes. So anything from like your general gym goers to more competitive like powerlifters, crossfitters, bodybuilders. Yeah. And I guess I found that niche with having like an interest in strength training myself. Um, so yeah, like going through uni, like I kind of just did gym just to keep fit, like fell in love with it. Just like the idea of getting stronger, being able to improve yourself like mentally and physically through gym. Um, and yeah, having that little interest in strength training, like I ended up just attracting that clientele into the clinic because they knew that I understood like all the requirements of their of their lifting and could help rehabilitate them without telling them just to not lift. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Understanding that's probably a big benefit. 
And then do you maybe want to go into a little bit about kind of how you're set up? Because it looks like you kind of, you're kind of based sort of out of a gym or have some sort of um, a combination with a gym. Yeah, so um, I rent the upstairs space in a gym. So Move Strong is the gym. It's like a small group training gym. And I, I rent the upstairs space, but it's it's a decent size. So it's about 10 by 10 meters. Um, so I've got the little physio treatment table there. And then it's just open up into a bit of a strength rehab area. So I've got like a squat rack um, with a barbell, got some kettlebells, dumbbells, um, yeah, all ranging only up to about 20 kilos at the moment. But then I guess if I need anything heavier than that, I'll, I'll just go downstairs to the gym, which is, it's an ideal setup really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So yeah, so today we're going to kind of talk about, uh, I guess, since you have that background in, in lifting um, and being treating those type of clients, just more that strength type athlete, but also just, I think, because a lot of my uh, listeners and people that listen deal with just um, more field-based athletes or other type of athletes um, and strength training is a part of that as well a major part and so a lot of times I'm, they'll probably have these similar um, sort of injuries or different pains uh, when they're training for their sport even if it's not exactly their sport as like a strength-based athlete would be so I guess just to start off kind of one of the main questions would just be um, what are some of the main common injuries that you come across um, and then we can kind of dive into those in some different ways of how you treat and so on. Yeah, perfect. So I'd say the most common three would probably be anterior hip pain, anterior shoulder pain, and lower back pain. So what, um, I guess someone comes in with anterior hip pain, what do you say usually are the causes of this? And then how do you go about the um, uh, like assessment process and usual recommendations? Obviously, I know it's going to be very different for every person, um, but in general, do you see some commonalities that you um, like to show for this issue? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's definitely some common trends. Um, and I'd say with most people with anterior hip pain, like it's most of the time, it's more an impingement from those hip flexors. Um, yeah, so like it could be structural, but a lot of the time it's functional. So it's from, yeah, the anterior, like the hip flexors tightening up. Um, and then usually that's a result like of the glute not working as well as it could. Um, so yeah, so whether that's the glute meat or the glute max, that's not quite working as well as it could. So the anterior hips really tightening up and then that in turn puts the body in a position where you can't really use the glute as effectively. Um, so it's a bit of a, a flow on effect of that one. Um, and then like when that happens, there's definitely things you see up, up and down the chain, like little patterns. Um, but most of the time, like by strengthening that glute, um, it, it can help alleviate that anterior hip pain. Okay. When, what, uh, usually is there, uh, certain movements or certain things that are causing that pain on them when they're doing, whether that be strength-based or in general? Yeah. Yep. So usually that would be, um, from an impingement. So like when the femur's driving up, so to be like a kind of deep squat position that causes that pain usually, um, yeah, that'd be the most common. Okay, and then your main treatment's just kind of working on the, the glute strength and trying to work to increase that. Yeah, so um, firstly, you would kind of try and identify if it's the glute med or the glute max that's um, that's that's weak. So it's actually really easy, easy to assess on the bed because you can like 
Um, you can just kind of jam their hip up, like bring on that pinch in pain, like replicate the position that their hip would be in in a squat. Um, that reproduces the pain. Then I'll give them a really basic glute med exercise, like normally just a bit of a clamshell. Um, and even though that does bring in some glute max, it's like it isolates the glute med pretty well. Um, and then if I retest it, the pinching's gone. It's like th- that indicates that glute med strengthening would be um, would would help get rid of their pain. And it's like if that doesn't work, or if it works a little bit but not as well as I would have expected, um, I'll get them onto their tummy, do like some prone leg lifts, so more for like the glute max, and then retest. And then if that's kind of gotten rid of their pinching like a bit more then it's like we can probably focus on some um glute glute max exercises so so that just kind of first paints the picture but then i would like look at different exercises where you can actually look at the strength of the glute med or the glute max or even just having a look at their movement patterns so if someone has a glute Mm -hmm. med they're probably really sorry a glute med weakness they're probably going to be really unstable on the one leg um if they've got a glute max weakness, they probably struggle to get that full hip extension in a lot of their movements. Yeah, so that they're the common things, yeah. Okay, so so you'd kind of test originally to see um, if by using that muscle it would help decrease the pain in the movement and then seeing watching the movement patterns to see just in general by visualizing it um, if they have weakness depending on the movement. Oh yeah, and then that's yeah, then that gives us an idea of what to program for for the rehab from there. Yeah, yep. Do you have any general exercises that you like? So let's say they're more of a glutamine issue, or and then a glute max. Do you have any general exercises and general progressions, so on from there, to get them back into uh, lifting uh, or training that you like to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so so some people like doing a simple exercise such as the clams can help alleviate the pinching that they can kind of go straight into their training because um, when like when you've got that pinch pinching from the anterior hip tightness like the hip flex is actually pulling the femur forward like it's changing where the femur sits um in in that ball and, and socket joint so yeah by doing that exercise sometimes that's enough to change it to go straight into training um and then like you can just yeah change the accessories to make sure there's some kind of yeah demand for the for the glute med so for glute med like I like to use lots of lunge variations. So say like a Bulgarian lunge um, and then loading the weight on the one side. So when you load the weight on one side, so unilaterally rather than bilaterally, it just increases the demand of stability. Um, and so that, that can be a progression in itself because if you have the weight on the opposite side of the front loaded leg, like that's going to increase the demand for stability compared to a dumbbell on both sides. But then if you change that weight to the same side as the front loaded leg, that increases the demand for stability more. So yeah, so without even changing the weight, just by changing like base of support or center of gravity, like you can, um, yeah, increase that stability demand. Yeah, so for glute meat, it's that kind of, yeah, stability. And then for glute max, um, like I do more kind of like something like a hip thrust to get that full hip extension. And because it's going to be the top position they struggle to get into the most because of that hip tightness, I'll normally try and do like an isometric hold at the top. Um, and yeah, and also like B stance hip thrust variations or single leg hip thrusts are, are nice little exercises as well. Yeah, and then so when, when you kind of progress through that, 
do you have, how do you progress them back into that full main movement that's causing the issue? So if it is that deep squat, you start off with those clams, you start off with those progressive exercises. And then when, do you have any criteria or anything you go through or timelines in general um, for then returning them to kind of squatting or the exercise that's causing them that pain? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like, I guess ideally if we can add in the rehab to get rid of the pinching so they don't have to stop their squatting. Um, okay. Yeah, but then you can also look at why the, the pinching's happening and it's like if they are unstable, maybe they've been programmed for an exercise that's a little bit too difficult for them. Maybe they need to be regressed. So that's like if someone was doing a low bar, it's like maybe they need to regress it to like go through those like squat regressions. So you've got like your high bar barbell back squat or if that's too much, you've got your front squat, goblet squat, counterbalance squat. So yeah, so you can definitely like look at those regressions, but ideally I would give someone like the rehab so that they could kind of get into that squat pain-free like straight away. Okay, so just making sure they can continue to do the squatting, but just hitting a regression point on the squatting that doesn't cause them pain. Um, and then doing the, your exercises as well to slowly um, progress them back to where they were at. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. And I guess, yeah, just making sure that like their programming is r- like right for them. So that's when you can collab with the coach. So it's like, um, I guess moving over to deadlifts, like a sumo deadlift, like that, like that requires so much hip stability just because you're taking your, your legs out to that wider wider stance where the glute meets in like a, a weaker position. Um, like you really need a lot of hip stability for that. So it's like if someone's getting like, yeah, some hip pain, it's like they're probably not ready for that. So you may need to like, yeah, re- talk to the coach and, and regress that um, while you're including all that rehab as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think that was a good kind of summary. Unless you have anything else to add, and I, I know these are kind of generally broad, but you can't really tell everyone exactly. You can't diagnose everyone over a podcast that you don't know anything about them. So um, I guess we'll just go, if that's good, you think, then we can maybe go to the a shoulder pain and kind of go through generally the same progress, the progression of that. So just like general shoulder pain, you know, what are they usually coming, complaining of? What's the usual issues that cause them the pain? Um, and then what's your first initial to kind of assess what you think it is and so on. But I know the shoulder is really difficult. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the shoulder is definitely a tricky one. Like, I guess, yeah, um, as you know, like with the shoulder being like such a mobile joint, um, yeah, it then comes back with that, that um, fallback of like not as much stability. So we do tend to see some issues through the shoulder, especially through that rotator cuff. Um, but yeah, most commonly I'll see shoulder pain in the front of the shoulder. So the anterior shoulder pain, um, that can be quite common with pressing. So whether it's bench pressing, overhead pressing. Um, so yeah, like I would, I guess I'd look at someone's technique. A lot of the time someone's like loading too much through the front of their shoulder. Um, you'll see like a a deficit or a breakdown in their technique. Um, but then I guess when you break it down clinically, like looking at their range of motion, um, like you want to look at their mainly their flexion and their external rotation. Um, so commonly people with anterior shoulder pain will probably have um, some kind of tightness in their lats. Um, so maybe that lats a little bit, like this is just very generalizing, um, but mm. just a common pattern, like they'll have a tightness in their lat, so that lat's weak. The upper trap is generally trying to take over, do a bit of extra work, um, and then that rotator 
cuff has a weakness as well. So yeah, the, the anterior shoulder pain itself normally comes from referral from the infraspinatus, one of the rotator cuff muscles, or from tightness through the bicep. And when we think about bicep tightness, the bicep is a secondary stabilizer of the shoulder. So, mo um, so if that is being tight, being overloaded, it's like a lot of the time it'll link back to a weakness through that rotator cuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So just tell them to decrease your bicep curls. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, looking at the strength of all those things and then a lot of the time it'll come back to some kind of um, rotator cuff strengthening in there. And it's, yeah, I'm like, I'm not a fan of the, I mean, they do have their place, like just the like banded internal external rotation exercises, um, but they are quite tedious and so you'll find like a lot of clients just don't do them. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I'll be more likely to use things like a bottoms up, like shoulder press, bottoms up, chest press, that kind of thing. So that's requiring that stability and you're requiring it, yeah, th through a range of motion like that you're going to be using when you're lifting as well. Yeah, it's so like a kettle, like kettlebell bottoms up presses on those. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, I guess, are... Do you have any other major progressions for those? Because you said you don't like the bands and so on because of the, the tedious and not getting, I guess, as much bang for, bang for your buck. Do you have any other exercises that you like to use instead of those that you think you get kind of more benefit out of that help the shoulder? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess, so there's the one I got from Andrew Locke, like the big three shoulder extensions. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. So it's like where the client's lying on the ground um, and then first you've got their arms like out to the side and they're just lifting a dumbbell up and down. Um, so that'll, and like it's it's quite good as well because most athletes like even like very large like bodybuilders will only be able to lift like one and a half to two and a half kilos. So it's like it's quite a, a humbling exercise. Like it's, yeah. Um, so I'll get the client to do that. And the first one has a bias through the external rotators through the rhomboids. And then you bring the arms down close to the body um, and the client's just lifting the weights up and down um, on the ground. So first you do it in internal rotation. So that has a bias through the internal rotators and through the lats. And then you put your arms like palms down, um, doing the same thing, just lifting the weights up and down. And that has a bias through the external rotators and through the triceps. So that's, yeah, that's just a nice, a nice little basic one. Um, and then I'd, yeah, move into some kind of, um, yeah, maybe like face pulls with an external rotation. And then even with that external rotation, you can then go into an overhead press, um, stuff like that, or your bottoms up stuff and your bottoms up stuff, like you can, um, pr progress that as well. And if someone has like shoulder pain, they may have shoulder tightness. So you may even be progressing that through range of motion as well. So firstly, you might just be doing like some kind of um, straight up and down press. And then when they have the range of motion, you might be like doing that shoulder press and then opening it into like external rotation at the top just to really make use of like full range once they've got it. Okay, yeah. Uh, do you, so like with all those progressions, do you have, uh, is there a way you progress I guess, determine kind of when they're ready? Is it more just based on what they can tolerate pain-wise and how they're, how they're going? Yeah, yeah, it's more just what they can tolerate. Um, so, 
yeah, I guess most of the time with that, like the bottoms up press, it's going to be the instability that stops them. Um, so the weight will like be shaking and actually like end up tipping over. Um, so, so yeah, so most of the time that's what will limit them. And I guess that's a good one because objectively it's not that much weight compared to what the athlete will be able to carry. Um, but just because of that demand of stability, like it's subjectively a hard exercise. Um, so yeah, as long as you're like, um, listening to the client's pain, um, making sure they've got like perfect technique with it. You can, you can like just keep progressing that one with as whatever they can handle. Okay. And then, so returning them back to kind of their main ones, the main lifts that's causing them issues, just the same thing of determining that pain and kind of going along that progression point. Yeah. 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 And I guess, yeah, returning them to the main lift. So coming to the shoulder, if it was bench press, like you could do, um, like you could regress the range of motion so you could even do like a pin press or a block press um um, things like that or you could you could even use dumbbells which is generally used for greater range of motion but you could use that just to make sure um like they're getting even load through each side and just just working on that control and technique through there okay and i guess so for for both of these in general if you have you know you want to get them back doing as you said, the exercise as soon as possible. Um, and you have these regressions and progressions to do this, but do you have anything else that you focus on training wise? So if they can't do a, a squat in general, do you, is there anything you do to kind of work that? Or is it literally just try to find the most regressed squat? Or if they can't do a bench, try to find the most regressed bench. Is there anything you try to do instead of those and focus on maybe like an overhead or a hinge instead of that and load that up more? Or um, is there yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, I guess coming back to the squat, it's like, I guess there's like heaps of reasons why someone couldn't squat. Like, is it because of tightness? Is it because of skill? Is it because of um, poor lumbar pelvic control? So it's like, yeah, if someone in a squat has really poor lumbar pelvic control, so they're like, they're either poking their bum out a lot at the back, or they're even like, they've got a little butt wink at the bottom. Um, maybe maybe things like that. They've got really poor like body awareness. Um, then that's when you'd come back to other things before you'd even move them into the squat. Like it's like you'd look at um, even even just practicing like some anterior posterior pelvic tilting um, just to give them that awareness of like what that even is. Um, and then you could progress that to things like um, like your bird dog, just so they can work on like maintaining like positioning while they're moving their arms and legs um so yeah you could go to those things and then i guess coming to a movement more like deadlifts or even in squats like some people are just very dominant through their lumbar so through their lower back and it's like if someone's just like squatting through their lower back or or like deadlifting through their lower back you want to then get that hinge pattern ingrained in them so then before you would um yeah i guess like without even regressing it you can then work on their hinge so you could do um i kind of like using a band around the hips and then kneeling on the ground just doing like a banded terminal hip extension um something like that or even doing a banded rdl so if the band's like on the squat rack and then you've got it around your hips and then that band's kind of pulling you back into that hinging position um or if they don't need to be regressed like that much with the help of the band like even just stuff like barbell RDLs, good mornings, that kind of stuff, just to practice that hinge. Um, yeah, so they're used to using their hips for extension and not their lower back. So yeah, there's, there's definitely times where you would, yeah, go off the path, like 
kind of teach them a movement pattern or teach them a skill or teach them some kind of body awareness before um, focusing on the big lift. Yeah, okay. I think I think you made some good points there that maybe we could dive into more with um, the first off being this teaching this the skill of, of the lifts um, and maybe that even just working on the skill could decrease the issue with, with the pain um, if they're doing the lift incorrectly. So I guess in general, we can just go through general patterns. It doesn't have to be every lift, but you know more of your squat pattern, your hinge pattern, your um, vertical and horizontal pushes, and even a pull. Um, do you have any, any, I guess, what are the main things? You mentioned kind of how you teach the hinge there. Do you have anything specific on your squats or even like, I guess, a, you know your vertical and horizontal pushes? Because I feel like those can be um incorrect sometimes performed yeah yep yeah um i think like a lot of the time yeah a a lot of the time with say overhead pressing like incorrect technique can even come back to just or in in, with squats as well it can come back to incorrect positioning through the stacking of their um through the stacking of their trunk so sometimes you just need to teach them like that alignment in between their ribs and their pelvis um and then once they control that if they're pressing up like it's just with their shoulder rather than then like trying to compensate through the lower back um yeah so like that would be one i reckon yeah for the overhead press and for the squat um I guess do you have so like for for those two because that's a good point of like when people overhead press them a lot of times they're arch to get that very you know the very top get the rep up so like how do you what exercises do you recommend you said like maybe like a bird dog or just those pelvic rocks is there anything the more progress wise along that you like to do with that or is it just lowering that weight and practicing the movement with lower weight and then increasing it when they have control yeah true sorry um so I guess like I'll try and regress them the, the little amount as possible. Um, so firstly, like coming back to the overhead pressing, like I'll just try and cue it. So I'd say, all right, like bring like bring your ribs down to here, hips here. Like I'd like power pay, put my hands on there just to like kind of give them that feedback or get them to put their hand there probably um, and get them to go through the movement. It's like if they can then just with the right cues, have the right technique, then that's good. Because a lot of, yeah, like sometimes someone has the wrong technique, it's just because they haven't been given the right cues for them or like, or like maybe they've come in, they've been lifting, but they haven't really like had a close eye watching them, like, or they haven't been coached at all. Um, So yeah, firstly, I'll try and like cue it. And if not, that's when I'd regress it. So yeah, maybe with the overhead press, you'd come down to like, a landmine press half kneeling so it's like it decreases the range of motion the half kneeling just helps stabilize their hips um and then just finding cues to give them that awareness but it's like if they still yeah if they still can't do that then it's what you need to regress them back to some things and i guess the very basic regression would be even just like some breathing and bracing like just just focusing on like the the breath in the breath out just focusing on as you exhale like the the tension through the abs um and then and then yeah after they've got that awareness maybe working on some um core control lumbar pelvic control before we take them back into the lift yeah awesome okay so you get you have those kind of in-betweens then you have the bird dogs and then you have this the, the cueing in general of multiple different ways to try to work on that for overhead yeah yeah so the exercises vary greatly so like they go from like yeah, very, very remedial stuff to like 
on the floor and it's like I think exercises like the clam and the bird dog like a lot of the time people like talk like like don't like them and it's like and it's like yeah it's like they definitely don't have their place for everyone like if you told everyone to do them before they lift it's like that that's no point like it's wasting time but it's like if someone has pain or like a movement like breakdown or dysfunction and that exercise is going to help them learn the positioning it's like yeah even though it's on the floor it, it might not be replicating like the movement like in the squat it's like that's that's just where they need to be at to then progress and rehab exercises are like anything like you want to progress them as well like if someone needs to do a bird dog to to learn that um lumbopelvic control like we don't want them doing that forever it's like we will progress that to like a a harder exercise as well yeah yeah definitely just you know learning learning movements or learning the control and then slowly going on just as any exercise would be so definitely i think yeah that's definitely a good point for those what about the i think another one that i've you know you hear a lot of with the just like a um like a chest press type one or like a, a bench press um so how what's what's your uh setup and generalization with your maybe like a general client and then you have a power lifter with your you know back arch caps together do you teach that to everyone or is you know kind of how what do you like for that one if they if they are having some type of pain or to teach a proper setup so they don't have the pain yeah yeah um i guess a lot of the time if someone's bench pressing with pain like i'll see a a poor control through like through that shoulder um so often you'll see that shoulder like lifting up or rolling forward um so usually i'll then try and cue them for some like even just a little bit of an arch and it's like the even if you're not a power lifter and you don't need like as much thoracic extension as possible to shorten that range of motion yeah even if you don't need that it's like you like for a bench press you still want like you still want your sternum up you still want a little bit of thoracic extension so that you can really like pin your lats down um and and then press from there i guess a lot of the time i see yeah people with like the bench press problems they haven't really learnt cues to keep their back tight um and it's yeah the normally the pain can come on at two points so it can either come on um or most commonly so most commonly it can either come on down the bottom and that's when like the shoulder will like often just roll forward a little bit or it can come on at the top and that's when someone's pressed all the way up but then they're then rounding like protracting their shoulders like lost the tension there so often like yeah anterior shoulder pain with bench pressing will go if you teach the person the right cues to keep that upper back tightness um so that yeah pinching between the the scaps and keeping the shoulder blades down to really like use the lats um yeah so normally with those cues that'll help and an exercise that i really like to do is a band pull apart but through the pull apart you're keeping your shoulder blades in retraction the whole time so obviously as you're pulling the band apart that's going to be really easy to keep the shoulders into retraction but then as you take the band back in front of your like face that's going to be harder to keep the retraction and ideally that's kind of what you want in a bench press so you want to be like keeping that positioning through your rhomboids through your lats as you pull the bar down but then you also want to keep that solid base as you press up as well um 
Yeah. So yeah, you, usually addressing that upper back tightness can can help with the positioning through the shoulders um, and, and help with that pain. Perfect. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely um, teach with having two things focused on. So if they have them at the at the bottom or at the top, and giving def- multiple ways to do it. Um, and yeah, with the band pull part, it's a, also a good point of making sure you have them retracted the whole time. Uh, I guess for I think another thing we can talk about maybe moving on would be so for like you know you're with your warm-up or whatever type of exercise you want to call it your priming your um, firing activating whatever you want to call that for your warm-up exercises um, do you have any main ones you like to use with uh, lifters in general to um, you know it doesn't have to be again for specific or it can be for specific issues it can be just in general uh ones that you like to use um because you know you see a lot of times with, with small bands around knees and so on just for activation or again whatever you want to call it uh, but do you have any ones that you like to use and even with uh, like mobility as well uh foam rollers if you use those or just movements in general um what, what do you like to recommend for your clients yeah um I guess, yeah, I'll try and make them as specific to the person as possible. Um, but I guess like a hub that you, a hubs that you want mobility in would be like the thoracic area. Um, and then you want enough mobility, like, yeah, through the hip, through the shoulder, through the ankle. Um, so yeah, so in, for the thoracic area, like a lot of the time you mainly want extension, but like obviously enough rotation as well. Um, so yeah, for extension, like it can be something as simple as like foam rolling, um, just rolling through that upper back and then also just like doing extensions off the back of the foam roller as well. Um, another exercise like that I like for thoracic extension is a dumbbell pullover. Um, so a dumbbell pullover, but with your bottom sitting down, like sitting off the bench, like just above the ground. Um, and then that one also, like, as you pull the dumbbell over, you're getting a nice uh, stretch through the lats as well. Um, yeah, and if someone, yeah, has a tight shoulder, they might need to also release their lats just so they can get that, um, like... Th- I feel like tightness with lats like that can often restrict quite a bit of shoulder range just because they, they're such a big muscle. Like when you think about, yeah, that their line of pull, they go all the way from the arm down into the like the thoraco. Well, they have lots of attachment points, but go down into the thoracolumbar fascia. It's like that's, yeah, it's such a powerful muscle. It's like if that's tight, that can be restricting your shoulder range quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, even something like a, a banded lat stretch or a dead hang um, to release through there as well. And then with the hip, you'll normally get the restrictions into extension or internal rotation. Um, so like a hip internal rotation mobe can be really nice or like any kind of like, ro- yeah, any kind of rotation movement like a windmill. Um, but yeah, the hip internal rotation mobe's quite nice. So just lying on the ground and you're using your opposite foot to like kind of jam that knee down as far as you can. Yep, yep. Um, and then for the ankles, like the I guess you've got to find out if there are restrictions from the ankle joint or from the calf and it's like you can if it's from the ankle joint you can do a bit of a like banded mobilization um or if it's more from the calf what I really like to do is calf raises off a step and you're holding for like a good two or three seconds in the stretch position per rep um so yeah you're working that calf through its full range as well as getting the stretch so I guess that's the main thing for mobility, but then you want to think about the, the hubs of stability as well. So for the stability, you've got your shoulder, 
um, your hip and your spine. So yeah, for your shoulder, that'll come back to your like rotator cuff exercises. Um, so maybe, yeah, some of the banded stuff, bottoms up stuff for, for the hip, like, yeah, clams are nice for hip extension. I really like a prone leg lift or even a single leg bottom lift. Um, and then like banded stuff can have its place as well. Um, so I guess being in the rehab space, I'll, I'll often see people with a height, a tight hip flexors. Um, so I'll often get them to do banded stuff where they're in full hip extension. So the hip flexors can't take over. So some nice exercises are like prone snow angels. Um, so that's just where the clients get on the ground on their tummy and then just taking their legs out and in. Um, and another one also would just be like where you get someone in the top of a hip thrust position. So their hips are in that full extension and then just taking their knees out and in against the band as well. So yeah, using that glutes, but in full extension. So the hip flexors can't take over. And then core, yeah, it could be... Um, could be something from like planks to something like a bit more rotational, um, even like a nice single leg audio with a hip airplane. And that's a good one because it combines the hip stability and that like rotational um, force as well. So yeah, they'd probably be the main ones that I'd put in a movement prep, but yeah, usually very individual specific. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, but like, so that, yeah, those are good examples of every specific joint and so on. Do you want to just explain maybe like the general, so like what is and why you're doing those smaller movements of your neural, act, neural priming activation, whatever exactly you want to call that, like why, why people are doing that and the importance of it and what it's going to help with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's kind of like for want of a better word, it's like kind of activating that muscle. Um, so yeah, normally like some of them, they're taking the muscle through a full range, um, just to activate that muscle. Or sometimes you're more considering the muscle function of stability, um, rather than its action. So say for example, like the, the glute med, it's like, that's the action is the like external rotation of the hip, but its function is the stability. So like, yeah, so you're, you're kind of bringing that stability into it because you want your body to be like as, as stable or you want the muscles to be like as quote unquote active as possible just so you, you're moving it as well as you can. So yeah, just to get, I guess, the right muscles firing for, for whatever movements you're, you're going to be doing. Okay, yeah, definitely. So for, so let's say we talked a little bit about beforehand athletes um, when, when they come in, and they do get injured and you try to kind of regress back or try to let them do the lift as much as possible. Um, what do you, do you have any advice in general that you try to give to them when they, you know, they want to train, but they can because of pain. Um, how do you kind of, um, talk to, talk to them about that and keep them motivated to do keep training? Um, even though it's not probably what they want to do. Do you have any advice around that for practitioners or athletes in general? Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, it's a tricky one because I guess coming back to like the psychological aspect of training, it's like when someone trains so much, like whatever level it is, it's like like that means so much to them and it's like they get enjoyment out of it, fulfillment out of it, um, and it, they may even make income from it. So it's like it's a big deal to them. So it's not, yeah. So I guess like you really have to take the individual into account and take taking that kind of like mental aspect as well. Um so you usually like, I guess most of the time with pain, like you can train around it. So I guess it's just finding like the right advice and finding the right exercises. And it can be like a bit of a, 
um, like at times it can be a bit of a trial and error. Like it's like, all right, we think you can still do this. Give it a go. If you don't, if Kate flares it up, you weren't quite ready for that. We need to regress it a bit more. If it's too easy, we can progress. So yeah, I think it's like finding the right advice as well. So you can train around it because most of the time you can. Um, but yeah, with, with some athletes, like, I guess you really have to hold them back because it's like they're used to just giving a hundred percent and they think if they're not putting 110% into training that they're, they're, they're going to get behind. But I guess with injury, it's like sometimes often you've got to take the one step back to take two steps forward. And it's like, if you don't take that one step back, you're just going to be keep aggravating this, this niggle. Um, and it's, you're not giving it the chance to kind of like to heal so you can move forward. So it's like some athletes, it's really hard to convince them, um, of that, but you've just got to, I guess, try and like, you've just got to try and like explain to them and help them find like, look, what's going to happen eight weeks down the track. Like if you, if you keep pushing into the pain, pulling up out eight out of 10 pain sore, like afterwards pulling up sore the next day, you can barely walk. It's like you then get better by the next session. You're doing that again. It's like, if you keep doing that, where are you going to be eight weeks down the track? Like you're probably going to have some pain inhibition. You're not going to be training at what is your normal hundred percent anyway. So let's just take it back a little bit. Um, listen to the body. Like, like sometimes I guess like with each condition, like levels of pain, like different levels of pain are acceptable, but it's like, you can have a bit of awareness of it, but we often don't want like a moderate or severe pain. So it's like, yeah, just bring it back to that kind of mild pain spot. Um, and then, yeah, eight weeks down the track, we're going to be a, a lot further like th- than you will be if you just try and keep pushing through. Yeah. So it's re- it's really hard one to like to tell to people, especially just because they're used to just like pushing through. But um, yeah, yeah, that that is an important yeah. one. Yeah, definitely. I think I think one thing that you said that I've seen, especially working with them, is the fact that you know if they are injured, you know you can train around it. So obviously most people are going to address the issue or try to address the issue, but a lot of time that's all they do. And I think you made a really good point of like, yeah, we can work on that, but there's, you know, you have the, you know, if your lower body's injured, you have your upper body or, you, you know, there's other ways you can work out and stay active and try to, you know, better yourself. Um, so that was, I think that was a really, really good point there. Sorry, I was just going to say, I was going to say a lot of the time, like injuries happen for a reason. Like it's like if something's been overloaded, like, that's been overloaded for, for a reason like and often the spot where you get the injury isn't like the cause of it um like that's just the spot that's been overloaded so it's like all right that's been overloaded we then need to address why this is happening so it's like it's kind of your body yes yeah, your body giving you a warning sign telling you something's wrong so it's like if you actually address what caused that which is like a weak link in your training you're you're then gonna like after this rehab be stronger Um, so it's like, it's definitely the one step back, but you've got the potential to be like, we don't want to just get you back to where you were pre-pain, pre-injury. Cause then if you're the same as where you were when it happened, it's probably going to happen again. So we want to then get you back to, to stronger than you were. So it's like, you've actually, even though this injury is like a temporary setback, it's, um, like moving forward, it's giving us the potential to make you a stronger athlete. Yeah, definitely. Being able to, you know, take a step back and, focus on improving yourself rather than just 
killing yourself every single you know training session or if it's not a strength based athlete and just working on you know their sport and overdoing that they can actually improve themselves as an athlete and then get back to working in their sport as well yeah Definitely. yeah all right one last question here i like to ask um i guess so what would you say your biggest pet peeve is within the industry working with clients strength power training physio whatever you want to say biggest pet peeve um that you are really passionate about okay um I think it's probably like people not keeping an open mind. Um, so whether you're talking to like other clinicians, other coaches, like if they've got their own opinion and but then they just like say that everyone else is wrong, it's like, all right, like, but open it up a little bit, like give us some dialogue, like it's like, give us your opinion, like why is it wrong? And if someone's just straight out like, nah, like, because I heard this from somewhere, like that's wrong and it's like, it's like, no, you like what you need to do is you need to like get on opinions of like you can take on opinions of other people, like take on your own personal experiences. But like, um, yeah, I, th- I think that you've got to be able to like clinically reason for yourself and you've got to be able to discuss it and like and take I feel like every person you come into contact with, like you can learn something off, like not saying that everyone like what they say is gospel, you should take it on. But it's like you should yeah I don't know like I feel like the more open we are about things like the more we can take on to learn and and help other people as well so I think keeping an open mind is like really important and not just yeah being closed-minded yeah I think that's true in multiple I guess aspects because you know one if you're you're a clinician there's a million ways to to do this most likely especially with strength training or you know even physio I mean there's a million ways to rehab someone to get them back you know and not everyone's not it's the right way so you, if you do one way it's not gonna be the right way for everyone but then I think the same way with you know athletes or your patients in general to know that um, you know just because you're with someone that always did it this way doesn't mean it's you know the only way to do something so if you go to someplace else don't completely shut the person out I mean unless it's something ridiculously crazy you know like you might as well give give it a shot if it's not you know not anything terrible so definitely a good point there Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on. Or if you just want to share, you can share your, you know, your Instagram, uh, both of them, uh, if you want, or whatever else people can follow you on to get your content or book um, appointments and so on. And then I'll put those in the show notes afterwards. Um, so yeah, the the Instagram is fox.physio. And then my email is admin at foxphysio.com.au. All right, perfect. Well, thank you again. Thank you very much for being on. No, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you've enjoyed the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning and injury and rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood, on Facebook at Coach Patrick Wood, on Twitter at Coach Patty Wood, and on my website, www.patrick-wood.com. All of this can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening.